Good afternoon and welcome to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show was created with the intention of helping others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping others in their own way. You may also hear me follow up with a guest I have hypnotized on an online edition of Love from the Hip, which is available on YouTube. Together, we can all make a difference, and it begins with love, love from the hip. Satyagraha was developed by Mahatma Gandhi in his struggles for Indian rights in South Africa. It helped him to win India independence from the British Empire in 1947 and is one of his greatest gifts given to the modern world. Satya meaning truth, which equals love, and agraha meaning holding firmly to, roughly translates to holding on to the truth, truth force or love force. Satyagraha was a peaceful, nonviolent way of attainment of the truth, a peaceful protest, if you will. Gandhi believed that nothing exists or is in reality except the truth and that it cannot be destroyed. He said that the world rests upon the bedrock of satya or truth. He also believed that what appears to be truth to one may appear to be error to another and that one must be weaned from error through patience or self-suffering and compassion. Satyagraha became a weapon of the strong, a vindiction of truth, sought through infliction of suffering on oneself, not one's opponent. Gandhi preached that nonviolence is superior to violence, forgiveness more manly than punishment. Satyagraha does not seek to destroy the opponent, but rather transform or elevate them to a higher conscious level with love. This is not to be confused with passive resistance. They are not synonymous. Unlike satyagraha, passive resistance is not only the weapon of the weak, but it holds no adherence to the truth. Gandhi and his teachings brought about many great disciples. Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan, also known as the Frontier Gandhi, a devout Muslim and committed ally of Gandhi, stressed the compatibility of Islam and satyagraha, his teachings supported Gandhi's belief that this truth force saw no division in culture or nation. Khan amassed the world's first nonviolent army in his region and persuaded 100,000 of his countrymen to lay down guns and vow to fight against the British regime nonviolently. Like Gandhi, he believed that the upliftment of his people was an essential preparation for their independence. So he opened schools, brought women into mainstream society, and encouraged his nonviolent soldiers to do at least two hours of social work a day. Khan wanted his people to serve God by serving other people while helping the growth of self-respect and human dignity. Martin Luther King Jr. has been labeled as the American Gandhi and was also deeply inspired by Gandhi. He tied his Christian teachings at seminary to that of Gandhi's concept of nonviolence. He believed that Christ first had showed us this concept and Gandhi had then showed us how it could work. And he wanted to unify this Christian conception of love and Gandhi's thought of satyagraha. And although Martin Luther King Jr. never got to meet Gandhi, who was assassinated in 1948, he adopted his teachings and alluded to satyagraha in his I Have a Dream speech. He called it a silent force or soul force, claiming it armed the person with moral power instead of physical power. He demonstrated it in his Montgomery bus boycott in 1955 and 56. He said the nonviolent resistor should not only not shoot, but also not hate his opponent either. Nelson Mandela also adopted Gandhi's practice of satyagraha and crippled the brutal apartheid regime in South Africa, helping to establish a legitimate dem democratically elected black majority government. His release from prison after 27 years goes down as the most celebrated triumph of empathetic truth, an act of nonviolence over injustice and repression. Many believe that satyagraha is still driving change globally today. In the past 30 years, the world has witnessed nonviolent campaigns in places such as Iran, Serbia, Tunisia, Egypt, and the Ukraine. And in many countries, this organized moral commitment to resort to nonviolence has been used to fight imperialism and foreign occupation advance minority and women's rights, and improve transparency while providing good governance. Gandhi hoped that not only would every culture find the truth and establish peace, but also every individual. Amidst his ethics of interconnectedness and mutuality, he encouraged self-awareness and self-responsibility by emphasizing the need to look within oneself in order to change oneself and subsequently change the world. To Gandhi, nothing was separate. 
Every culture and nation played a special role in the making of human history. Since Gandhi, the method of Satyagraha has inspired so many other cultures. Satyagraha, also called universal force because it does not discriminate, is an instrument of struggle for positive objectives and fundamental change. This tool can be used in any area that humankind struggles with, but mostly within ourselves. It teaches one to conquer love with hate, untruth with truth, and violence with self-suffering, all for the betterment of humankind. This concept enforces the realization that there exists something in humankind that is superior to the brute nature of humankind. Today, I have the pleasure of having psychoanalyst Mark Borg on my show. He will share how Satyagraha has inspired him and what his peaceful protest is. Plus, he will share his new book and how we can not only recognize when we are being a Richard, but also what we can do to change that behavior and more. So stick around because you won't want to miss it. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip. That's H-Y-P anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having psychoanalyst Mark Borg on my show, and he is joining us today via Skype from New York City. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Sakura, how are you doing? I'm good. You got some uh, snow over there yet? Not quite yet. We started out 55 degrees yesterday morning, and we're at about uh, 20 degrees last night, so we're, uh, we're, we're chilly. <laughs> You're getting in there. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 yeah we're we're nicely cooled here. <laughs> <clears throat> so can I ask you how has Satyagraha inspired you? Well, first of all, look, I loved your opening. I I just I was so I was inspired by your opening. Gosh, <laughs> Thank I you. mean, yeah, it was great. You know, <laughs> I I uh, because you and I've talked about Satyagraha, right. and I've told you that, that there's this really funny connection between Satyagraha and this topic that I'm very interested in, which is what we're calling Richard, or we can call it jerk, or we can call it beep, and we can call it whatever we want. <laughs> but basically, it's a way of acting out our own uh, insecurities, uh, unacceptance of ourselves. You know, I love what you said. You know, that your show is to help and love ourselves, and you know, it it really what I'm calling or what we're calling Richard is the opposite of loving ourselves. And so when we're walking through the world, when we're hurting other people, when we're stepping on other people's toes and, and, and seeing how they retaliate and then counterreacting, we're really inviting very, very bad treatment. And I was inspired originally to start exploring this, uh, this kind of behavior, this jerkish behavior when I found myself in a meltdown with some of my colleagues. And so I, I really, you know, I had seen the Philip Glass opera, Satyagraha. I had been incredibly inspired by it. It became one of my favorite operas. And I really started to explore more, what is this Satyagraha? And like you said, I had this meltdown with my colleagues, but I didn't want to act passively. I didn't want to be passive aggressive. I wanted to be actively involved in writing the wrong behavior that I had brought to this group. Mm-hmm. And that, that you know, really began an odyssey for me to take all these different looks at the, what, you know, the behavior of being a jerk to other people and ourselves. Yeah. And that's hard to admit, right? That you're being a Richard. Well, I, it actually, I think it's impossible. I think it's actually <laughs> possible to admit that unless, and here's the big drum roll, unless you actually hit some kind of an emotional bottom, unless you're able to see yourself in such an incident or a moment or even a chronic period of such bad behavior, and you're seeing such 
bad results. You know, you're putting out this behavior and the consequences are so extreme. In this moment, what I can look at as my bottom, you know, bottoming out on this behavior, I actually saw that I was about to lose a work group that I had been involved in for, at the time, six years. And that allowed me to hit pause. And rather than seeing all this Richard behavior in my colleagues, as I had been doing right up to that moment, I suddenly had this incredible gift of seeing that terrible behavior in me. I walked into this behavior seeing jerks everywhere only to realize that the reason why I was seeing jerks everywhere is because my lenses were clouded with jerkery, you know? <laughs> I, I, you know, was acting out the jerk role and seeing it in them. And like you said, I mean, this incredible gift of Satyagraha, this ability and willingness to hit pause and really go to great efforts to not create any more violence in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And attract it to you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah because again, I think that that's the formula, that there's no such thing as a single jerk. I think jerks are, are walking, uh, Richards, are walking invitations for other people to, to counter-react. Mm-hmm. And then there's two jerks. <laughs> and then it multiplies <laughs> from there. And it multiplies, yeah, yeah, that's right. So can you share the title of your book? Well, not fully, but the modified version Can I share it? Uh, can I? Can I spell it? Can I? Okay, so it's no. don't be a beep. <laughs> starts with a D, ends with a K. But the but the subtitle is change yourself and change your world. And the perspective in this book, the what I'm offering is that the way to change the world is to change yourself. Mm-hmm. If we're seeing this terrible behavior all around us, if we're seeing other people, we're believing that other people are mistreating us. I'm begging the reader to hit pause and look at our own behavior and ask ourselves if really what's happening is what we're misinterpreting as attacks are really counterattacks right. because our behavior is inviting this bad counterreaction from other people. Right, exactly. Well, I want to get into how you can determine if you are actually being a richer, but I want to ask you a little bit about the title. Based on the title, would you say that it's just intended for men? No, I mean, I really <laughs> believe... I mean, <laughs> No, because I, well, first of all, Megan Doherty wrote a book with a similar title about, you know, watching our behavior toward other people, uh, shows like Orange is a New Black, this has become common parlance for women, and my 12-year-old daughter, I have caught using this very bad word. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so no, it's really, and, and not only that, but the word, again, we can use jerk, we can use Richard, we can use beep, we can use D, dat, 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 K, um, but really what I'm begging people to do is take a look at whatever they call their own bad behavior. Take a look at what you call yourself when you're in that behavior. And throughout the course of the book, I actually ask people you know, it, you know, every few chapters to see whether or not what they called themselves in the beginning is different from what they're calling themselves in the middle, is different from what they're calling themselves at the end. Because what I'm actually asking people to do in this book is I'm asking them to go beyond their behavior, look underneath it, and starting to really accept themselves as they are so that they don't have to keep acting out all that insecurity, so they don't have to keep acting out all the ways in which they feel rejected and abandoned, and that is resulting in this really, really bad way of navigating yourself through the world. Right, and that's wonderful. And I like how you have these exercises included with each chapter, too. So you're right. really trying to get them to move through the word and just make it less explicit, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm act- it's funny you said that because you, we've talked about it before. I use this word impletive. And impletive is that whatever the, you know, the different symbols that you see in a comic book when they're trying to use a curse word. So I'm kind of assuming that if we're acting like jerks, we have bad words for ourselves. I mean, we might I, Again, we're not going to say them on the air. Right. Um, but that we all have a list of really horrible things that we call other people. And believe me, if you're calling those other people that, they're going to be counter-reacting to you. And eventually you're going to feel like a real um, you know, unacceptable person. So I'm asking the reader over and over again to challenge themselves to see their own part in all bad behavior. Not ever to criticize or blame ourselves, but to give us power to actually change our behavior and invite different kinds of treatment from people in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's great. So how can one determine if they are being a Richard? Uh, the most, uh, look, I'll tell you the really uh, a silly way. So 
over the course of the last few months as I've been coming closer and closer to publishing this book, lots of people come to me and they say, oh, I can't wait, Mark. I'm going to buy a whole stack of your books. I'm like, uh, why are you going to buy a whole stack of the, my books? And they say, because I'm going to give it to everybody in my office. I'm going to give it to everybody in my family. So the, the simplest way to know that you are one of these, a Richard, is that you see Richards everywhere. So if you think that you're going to buy this book and give it to someone else, what I beg you to do is read it yourself. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> the first book should go to you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. As a gift. Right. Again, I, right. I know it might not seem like it, but this book is gentle. This book is, like you said, helping others you know, love themselves. That's that's what's going on because if you're walking through the world like a walking middle finger, you are not inviting love. Right, you know? exactly. Well, thanks for that. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break, so everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama. Trauma, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Just $100 for the first session. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? Briotech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray, free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin and Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin and Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way for just $65. Sakura Skin and Mind, treating skin out there with an of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget to tune in right here on KKNW every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. for more Love from the Hip. Today on Love from the Hip, we have psychoanalyst Mark Borg. And he is joining us via Skype from New York City. So before the break, Mark was sharing with us his book that's being released. When, Mark? On November 19th, a week from what? Yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. And it's called Don't Be a Bleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Mark, I want to ask you, how can we change our Richard behavior? Look, I mean, the most important thing 
to acknowledge when it comes to Richard behavior is that we are acting out insecurity. We are acting out really, really bad feelings that we've probably been holding on to for a long, long time. Sometimes I think it goes all the way back to, you know, that funny kindergarten question that you're that we're walking around on the playground asking other kids, which is simple because I've watched my children as 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 little kids asking other kids, will you be my best friend? Do you like me? And I think that that is a question that we hold on to through all of our lives. It's so quiet. It's so vulnerable. It's so soft. And yet when we, it's answered in ways, usually behaviorally, that hurt us or that scare us, we start covering up. And we start covering up and we start covering up through behavior. And we start covering up through uh, different ways that, that we defend ourselves psychologically. We start shutting down. We dissociate and you know, basically armor ourselves so we can walk through our lives. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we armor ourselves is through our behavior. You know, acting out literally means that I take an uncomfortable emotion, I put it into my head as thinking, and then it gets acted out as uh, uncomfortable feeling gets put into our head as thinking and then gets acted out as behavior. So the behavior allows the uncomfortable feeling to bypass awareness. So Interestingly, a lot of the time when we're walking around acting poorly, getting these bad reactions from other people that starts to qualify as being a jerk or being a Richard, we don't even realize it because it's bypassing our awareness. So the Mm. first most important thing to do is to hit pause. If we're finding ourselves caught up in you know, in argument after argument after problem after problem in relationship, and we see it as a pattern, we need to install a pause button. For me, in my crazy meltdown experience with my colleagues, that whole don't be a beep, <laughs> the, the title of this book was, it started as a pause, but then it became this self-analysis. It became this process of doing inventory on myself to find out what kind of qualities I was bringing into this interaction that was making me feel so scared, so threatened, so hurt. Mm -hmm. And as I did that, and as I looked at this inventory process, which is what I'm recommending for us to get through this, to uh, let go of this bad behavior, I started realizing that none of us are going to respond very well to an an inventory if it's all done in red ink. So I started looking at this inventory. It wasn't just looking at how awful I am and how terrible I am and how insecure and scared I am. It was also looking at these wonderful qualities. I have this willingness. I have this group of men who I care about. I have resources. I have community. So when we start doing this kind of uh, uh, inventory and taking in our assessment, we're not living in such a hostile world anymore. And if we're not living in a hostile world, then when we feel insecure and we've created some safety in our life, we have options to our bad behavior, to our jerky Richardy behavior. Mm-hmm. So this book is not really intended to make you feel so bad. This book is absolutely <laughs> begging you to stop criticizing yourself. This right. book is begging you to be gentle and caring and kind to yourself. And essentially being a Richard is like having a temper tantrum as an adult. Correct. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's like going back to the first segment. It's a constant invitation for other people to confirm your worst feelings about yourself. So, yeah, mm-hmm. one of my formulas is one of the formulas that I use for this is, you know, this Richard walks through the world feeling like he or she is being attacked. And what I'm saying is that if you're a Richard, you're not being attacked. You're being counterattacked. Mm, okay. So I was just going to ask you. I, I feel like being a Richard is also a defense mechanism. And yes. how, how do people get to a place where they can feel safe to be vulnerable and, well, and, and again, not have it feel like it's being they're being weak? Unfortunately, I think that um, most of the ways that we, including yours truly, the author of this book, got there or how we get there, how I got there, usually – you know, like the twelve step people talk about a bottom, you right. know. But the but the wonderful thing about a twelve step bottom is they say that that's the place where you put the shovel down, that's the place where you stop digging. So I think most of us who are, especially for chronic Richards, we really need to be able to see our behavior as a bottom that we want to stop digging, you know, because nobody's going to tell a Richard that she or he needs to knock it off. They're they're completely armed against hearing that 
kind of thing. So what happens is you hit this terrible bottom. Say you face some loss. Let's say I lost my colleagues that day. Let's say I lost my writing project. Let's say I lost my wife. Let's say right. my children don't want to talk to me anymore. These are all pretty reasonable responses to Richard-y behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So most Richards really don't probably have too far to go to ask themselves if their behavior or their pattern or their habit is such that they can say enough, enough. I'm sick of living in a hostile world. I'm sick of walking down the street and believing that other people are such jerks you know, person after person after person, only to find at the end of the day, I walk home with a person who can't stand living in my own skin. Mm, yeah. So, you know, so I really, I give a lot of uh, opportunities for people to use this book as a mirror to look at themselves, to put down the you know, sort of telescope that we're using to right. look and see all this other terrible behavior in others and use it as a microscope or a magnifying glass into our own behavior. And if we get a handle on that, we're going to have just a lot more choice in how we want to walk through our world. That's awesome. Now, do you recommend people revisit the relationships that maybe lended to their Richard behavior? I think so. I mean, I, I do in the book, but I don't get a whole I, I don't go too far into it because I don't believe it's necessary. Um, I do believe we can usually trace, you know, some places in our life that made us feel unsafe and insecure. But the good news is, uh, even though I'm a psychoanalyst and this is sort of, uh, you, you know, uh, not the most analytic perspective, but but I really believe that everything really that, that has been playing out is playing out right now in the here and now. So what we really, really get from this is we get an opportunity to, mm. you know, to take a look at ourselves. That's, that's, that's very analytic though. The part about transference itself is, uh, this process where our old behaviors, our old wound that happened in the relationship with our primary caregivers plays out between therapist and client. Mm -hmm. So we also believe that those kind of patterns can play themselves out in work and love. So no, you don't have to go back to your parent to work this out. You don't have to call your parent into some therapist <laughs> office and say, I was a jerk and it started right here. You're going to see this behavior playing out most consistently in your relationship with probably your nearest and dearest. And it's right there that you can really work these tools. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So at the, at the other side of it though, if someone is being a Richard to us, how do you recommend we respond? Okay, here's the ironic response to that. You f there, I have two rules for dealing with a Richard, let's say, attack. And they're <laughs> okay. really, really difficult rules. They're so difficult, and it really takes some bracing ourselves. Rule number one, continue to keep the focus on yourself. Even when you're under attack, keep the focus on yourself. Don't let that Richard provoke you. Don't let that Richard push you into a place that you don't want to go. Keep the focus on yourself. I'm not saying you just sit there and allow yourself to be exposed to it. No. But rule number two, refer to it rule number one. That's how important it is. You need <laughs> to stay centered. You need to stay in pause. And you need to create a boundary and you need to walk away because Richards are like stray cats. Mm. And how do you get – do you know how to get rid of a stray cat? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't feed it. Don't okay. feed the Richard. I'm there telling you, you want, if you have Richards in your life, don't feed them. And you will. And again, not only will you not have Richards in your life, but you will be accessible to the love and care of people who actually want to, you know, treat you with love, kindness and dignity and all of that. Right. Too often the Richards in our life are scapegoats for what we don't like about ourselves. Again, I'm going to be compassionate and loving towards the Richards. If you're with a Richard and you've been with a Richard a long time, come on. Like, let's look at our part in that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that Richard is there for a reason. Maybe that Richard is taking all the, you know, all the onus for everything that's going wrong in your relationship. How nice for us that we get to feel good about ourselves because the Richards are looking so awful. You know, the right. Richards are all scapegoats for what we aren't looking at in ourselves. Mm. So we're, an we're enabling them in a sense. We're, I think it's beyond enabling. I okay. think that's probably true, but I think I think that's probably right. I just go even further that they are actually doing us a service. They mm -hmm. are, you know, because I see couples a lot, right? And I see occasionally there's a Richard and there's a, you know, really kind, generous, good guy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm like, to the good guy, I'm like, oh, you're so lucky. You know, you got this person who's acting out all the horrible behavior in your relationship. <laughs> so you don't have to take responsibility for any of it. And I say to that nice person, I say, what a ripoff. What a ripoff, because if it's all Richard, then you can't do a damn thing about it. Right. That's not a relationship. Not a relationship. It's a scapegoating. Yeah. It's a 
and then and the person who's exposed to the Richard also gets to be in that victim role. And I oftentimes people don't want to give up that role. Yeah. They don't want to give it up. There's just something about it. There's an addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. All that's, right. That's right. Well, that's all great stuff. Well, thanks, Mark. Well, we're going to have to take another break, but stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to talk about a recent article published in Bustle by Carolyn Staber called The Seven Gross Things That Happen When You Do Not Shower. According to New York family and emergency doctor Jeanette Neshwat, if you are someone who sweats a lot, has a history of bacterial infections, works out daily, or works in a high-risk environment, such as a school teacher or health provider, then it's best to shower daily to prevent infection and to prevent the spread of infection. So what are the seven things? Number one, sweat and bacteria will mix, meaning the sweat will mix with the bacteria on your skin and create a pungent odor. Number two, acne can crop up. Sleeping in all that accumulated oil, dirt, debris, and makeup can cause breakouts. Dr. Neshwat emphasizes that dirty skin on the face can result in clogged large pores resulting in blackheads, acne, and skin irritation. So even if you are really tired and are skipping that shower, you should at least try to wash your face. Number three, germs can take over. Even if you have showered, there are still millions upon millions of bacteria all over the skin. Dr. Neshwat says that we all have good bacteria that lives on our skin, but if you don't help out the good bacteria by washing and exfoliating, Dead skin cells can accumulate, creating a medium for bacterial or fungal overgrowth, infection, and an inability to fight the bad bacteria and fungus we encounter. Number four, patches can form on the skin. If you neglect to shower, brown patches called dermatitis neglecta can actually begin to form on the skin. This translates to neglecting the skin. Number five, skin conditions can get worse. Not showering can actually aggravate eczema. In fact, according to the National Eczema Association, bathing or showering can help skin from drying out, especially if you moisturize right afterward. Number six, fungal infections become more likely. Dr. Neshwat stresses that our skin is our defense to the environmental toxins and debris we encounter on a daily basis. And if not cared for properly by washing, then we allow the opportunity for a fungal infection like ringworm from the floor mat at the gym or a bacterial infection such as staph you may have picked up on the subway to set in. So taking a shower after coming into contaminated surfaces can help you keep healthy and hopefully starve out infections. Dr. Neshwat explains that bugs, bacteria, and parasites like to hide under nails, in the groin area, behind the ears, or armpits. So it's important to wash these places regularly. Number seven, your hair gets oilier than you think. Not washing your hair regularly can lead to product buildup, scalp irritation, and greasy hair. Not to mention there can be a scalp odor due to the sweat accumulating and feeding bacteria. It is obviously best to keep your body's first defense clean. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray, free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakuraatlovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and well wishes. Let me know how I am doing. Today on Love from the Hip, we have psychoanalyst Mark Borg, and he is joining us via Skype from New York City. So, Mark, are there any instances where being a Richard is just okay? 
Um, that's like asking, are there any instances where it's absolutely okay to act out our deepest, worst, most terrible feelings about ourselves? Okay. Uh, so I, I don't know. I guess we have to <laughs> define okay. I mean, I know that people use this Richard behavior um, sometimes as a, as a call for help. I guess in a funny way, I wouldn't use the word okay, <laughs> but if you're really, really, really hurting. Yeah. and nobody's responding and you're isolated and you're alone being a richard can be like a kick in the gut to people around you and if they're listening with a very very specific kind of ear maybe maybe they will be able to interpret how that richard behavior it, it, it is uh, an SOS. Right. It is a a message from some deeper, lost, hurt part of you that will not be able to stop being a Richard until you feel like the world has uh, responded to you mm -hmm. from in that dark, lonely place. Right. Okay. So can we talk about some of the terminology in your book, which I think is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with what is turd hurling? Okay, we all know a turd hurler, right? Turd hurler is that person who you know, who, you know, basically pretty, they're like an Eeyore, right? They're somebody that, that walks around, they're not feeling very good, and they just can't stand it when you are. <laughs> you ever have that person? Oh, that yeah. Person? life that just like, you know, you, 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 you're, you, you dread them finding out that something good happened to you. Like, Hey, it's a career. You got this great show. We love it. No, 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 don't tell that in front of like, you know, Joe over there, because Joe is going to hear that you're doing well and is going to drop a big turd right <laughs> into your good, wonderful feeling. You know, oh, yeah. the example that I use in the book is of a guy who, uh, you know, really, you know, he, he's in his second marriage and he, um, you know, lost his first wife uh, before they were able to have children. And so he has a second wife and he has two children and he like, it's his favorite role in the world. He loves being a parent. So he's got a colleague who also has a child, but this guy got kind of, he feels like he got manhandled into parenthood. He, he's really resentful about mm. children. He feels like they're interfering with his career. And so on father's day, the first guy who just is so thrilled to be a father, and there he is on Sunday morning opening uh, his beautiful handmade cards from his children. And right in the middle of that, guy number two throws a big turd right into the <laughs> middle of this guy's day saying, you know, uh, criticizing some work that he was supposed to have done the week before. So that, that to me is a great example of a turd hurler like somebody who just dropped this big poop right yeah right? I, I mean it's a kind of a dr dramatic example but i think it happens in a million different ways right people that just can't stand when we're happy people can't stand that you know we have some success okay. that's a turd hurler so and then what is patrolling so patrolling is something that I do not think is specific to us New Yorkers, but patrolling is uh, all <laughs> – so we have all these behaviors like pet peeves where, I don't know, say you're walking down the street and you believe that everybody should walk the same way that the cars travel in traffic <laughs> or people that uh, – People that ride their bikes the wrong way in the bike lane, we call that salmoning. <laughs> uh, uh, people who barrel onto the subway before people uh, get off. And so, of course, none of us like this kind of behavior, but there are some people who take it upon themselves to patrol that behavior. That's the person who like steps in front of the bicycle that's riding on the sidewalk. That's the person who knocks into the person who's texting as they walk down the street. And again, we all might think that the behavior that's being confronted is not so polite. It's not mm -hmm. so wonderful. But the person who steps into the role of patrolling, the patroller, that person is setting herself or himself up for, for counterattack. Because mm. there's hardly anybody who's texting as they walk down the street who bumps into a patrol person who's going to go, oh, thank you. I, I was really caught up in this world of my own, and I didn't realize that I was being so rude. No, they're going to say, F you, you know? Yeah, gonna, totally. Right. So that that's patrolling. These, by the way, the turd hurdler and the patrolling and, and, and several others, these are all ways that if you're involved in these, you are inviting counterattack. You are inviting people to attack you. And you're being <laughs> a Richard. You're being a Richard. You're being a Richard. So do you think also those stem from, you know, patrolling and all of that is not having control in your life? So you feel you have to exercise it in someone else's? I think so, because if you go back to, you know, again, what's what I keep saying is the center of 
way back in the central core of Richard behavior is this insecurity, this Mm -hmm. unhappiness, this feeling like you need to right some terrible injustice that you can't even figure out where it's come from. So yeah, and again, I really believe you're right that this Richard behavior does not feel like it's in your control. So you're projecting that you're projecting all these horrible things that you feel about yourself onto other people, and then you're trying to control that. Right. So projection, projection is another way, but projection that you know you're acting like a Richard because you're seeing all your all those qualities that you can't stand, you can't tolerate, or you hate in yourself. You're seeing that in other people. Right. Unfortunately, projection is a little trickier to deal with, though, because projection is a psychological defense mechanism that we use to uh, decrease our feeling of insecurity and anxiety. So seeing that hated quality in ourselves and someone else actually decreases our anxiety. And it's very hard to, Mm. not only is it hard to let go of, it's hard to see. So it's like a disassociation, if you will. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's a disconnection with a really important part of ourself that then, you know, it looks as if it's happening in someone else. This is probably the most common form of Richardry is projecting the things we hate about ourselves into other people. And so, you know, that might happen that I see that uh, my colleagues are all, you know, really uh, uh, not being very generous. And if that's true, I, I and as much as I hate it, I want to see myself as such a generous person. I want to see myself as so open and so giving and so loving. And yet <laughs> I'm seeing this, uh, you know, greediness or stinginess everywhere. I damn well better look at what I'm up to. Right. And that's a really hard one because, I mean, genuinely, let's say I pride myself on generosity. And yet if I see greediness everywhere in my life, I, I really need to take a look in the mirror. Hmm. Okay. And then what is righteous indignation? Righteous indignation is, you know, that's what fuels this whole thing. Righteous indignation is basically, it, it, it's the fuel for patrolling. It's the fuel that allows us to get ourselves, bump ourselves up to this position where I actually feel not only entitled, but I feel obligated to right the wrongs of the world. So mm. this takes patrolling to a new level. The r- person who's righteously indignant actually sees it as a crusade. I must, I must make sure that no one ever barrels onto the subway before <laughs> right. <laughs> before everyone's off. I mean, that the person who's wielding righteous indignation is quite likely to get a pounding. Uh-huh. In, in, you know. Especially in New York. Especially in New York. <laughs> now, yeah. did you also mention weaponized victimhood? Weaponized victimhood is that person who, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you treat them, they will constantly tell you that, number one, their misery is the worst misery that ever existed. And number two, nothing that you're doing is helping. So it's actually a person who uses their victimhood to punish those around them. Mm, Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to have to take another quick break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. Peach fuzz is great if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits, leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept. Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more sakuraskinandmind.com s-a-k-u-r-a skinandmind.com 
What's your story? Have you ever sat with that question and looked to your heart for the answer? It's time to explore the real you. Tune in Thursdays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. for the brand new show, Story You, with Coach Debbie. Debbie and her guests have a mission to inspire and coach you to find your voice. If you need direction, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. If you want to be an author, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. and be inspired. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip, and that's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. And if you're just joining us, today I have the pleasure of having psychoanalyst Mark Borg, and he is joining us via Skype from New York City. So, Mark, is it truly and indeed possible to fully recover from being a Richard? Nope. <laughs> no way okay there's no recovery no I'm, I'm kidding but i'm but 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 not really because this isn't about really complete recovery this is about what the new developmental psychologists call rupture and repair see mm. we don't need to completely get over it we can actually use our missteps to create stronger healthier relationships they've discovered back in the like sort of mid 80s that infants and parents do not form strong bonds because parents constantly get whatever it is that the infant is suggesting in a cry or uh, whatever they're disturbed perfectly. Actually, bonding occurs via what's called rupture and repair, that basically every single time the parent gets whatever it is that the infant wants wrong, the parent and the infant together repair. Hmm. They put it so every time you go off the rails, when you work with someone else to put it back on the rails, the relationship just gets that much stronger. So we don't need to fully recover. We need to be in a world where every single time we misstep, it is safe enough for us to work with people, let's say starting with people that we're really close to, to get it back on the rails. That is being a jerk in this particular sense once we're recovering not recovered, but recovering provides opportunity after opportunity to build really much safer, stronger, loving, caring relationships with other people in the world. Okay, that's awesome. And now, how has the book helped your relationship with your colleagues? Well, number one, we survived. (laughs) (laughs) That's huge. (laughs) It was huge. I mean, in some funny way, the three of us are all uh, you know, we all have our own domains. You know, uh, Grant is a psychiatrist and, and was the director at uh, psychiatric director at uh, William Allison White. Danny Barry has this job at Kohler. He's, uh, you know, the, the quality assurance administrator. And I'm this, uh, you know, therapist working with clients, working with individuals and couples. And so the three of us have to fit into this space. We have to fit into this project. And we started this project. We're coming on our nine-year anniversary um, this Thanksgiving. Congratulations. So this, thank you very <laughs> much. It's amazing because I'm always comparing it to a marriage. And, yeah. Uh, one of us is not so comfortable with that. <laughs> um, but but really, I feel like that that incident that started this book project for me started an odyssey where I joined with Satyagraha, where I put myself in rupture and repair and committed myself to doing everything I could to use that incident as a bottom and to really, really look at my own behavior and where possible contribute to making this working relationship with my with my colleagues in the irrelationship group, you know, not not just okay, but healthier and and more supportive and more empathetic and more intimate and to, you know, be, be more emotionally invested in this relationship with each other. Yeah. And by shifting yourself, you've shifted other people around you, right? Right. Yeah. That's right. So how has it changed your relationship with your patients? I I mean, I feel like, well, first of all, I feel so fortunate that I discovered this satyagraha and this willingness to be in rupture and repair with my patient because I find that if I, when I, you know, (laughs) might misstep with a patient, when I might put my foot in my mouth, where I might, you know, look – in all humanity, you know, I find myself actually better able to use the mistakes that I make as a shrink to actually push, not push, move the relationship along. Like, I, I mean, so many people have told me, because this is kind of new for me, too. I'm a, I'm a freaking psychoanalyst, for God's sake. We're not supposed <laughs> to be, like, stepping off our whatever high horse, you know, but I love it. I love being able to be in this rupture and repair with my clients, with my colleagues, 
with my wife, hmm. with my two incredible children. I mean, it's just it, – it's a totally different relationship with the world. Do you feel like it's to, almost a new practice because you're, like, more connected and more enthusiastic? Well, I've always been um, – you know, I, I, look, I've always, of course, you know, like I find myself, I'm in this healing role. I was drawn to this healing role. I really kind of found myself. Um, I tripped, stumbled into this healing role. I thought I was going to be a punk rock uh, star. You know, that's all I wanted to be. I you still be can a... be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of punk rock, right? Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. all I wanted to be. But I stumbled into the healthcare profession in 1989. I've been here ever since. And so I find that by being a healthcare uh, professional who's effective, I have to be in real contact and connection, emotional with my patients. I cannot ever be on high. Right. I cannot. I have to be in this place of of you know of humanity. And being committed to Satyagraha, being committed to not being a richer, has really you know allowed me to just be a lot more accountable in my in my relationships with people, including my patients. And I and and in my book, I do acknowledge you know, how they have been among my greatest teachers. That's awesome. And it started with the commitment to yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. I was wondering, I was hoping that you would share your story of how your writing comes to you, how you write all of your books. <laughs> Danny, Danny loves this. Danny's one of my colleagues who I've co-written a couple of books. I, I really, I, I don't know how it happens, but I literally, I have this Blackberry. This is like my fourth one. I have the key to, I literally just sit there <laughs> and I, I start pounding. I, I, I open an email, I start writing to myself, I put a title, I I write automatically until I come to what seems like the end of a particular blurb or section, and I send it to myself. That is how I've written all these books. So by the time I actually am working on the edits to these books, it's a brand new book. I have no idea what I've written. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it awesome. really It's automatic writing, and I just, I can't make heads or tails of it, but um I certainly don't want to interrupt it. Yeah, know? and I don't know which is more crazy, the fact that it's automatic writing or the fact that you do it on a BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I should be a commercial. Exactly. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. And you, <laughs> yeah. ahead, and you had been doing automatic writing, though, even for a long time prior to even doing books, correct? Right. I mean, even as a, as a 15 and 16-year-old when I had this band called – at first we were called – all night rave <laughs> and then we were called oedipus triple rex like the triple rex version of oedipus um even then all the songs i, I wrote all the lyrics for all the songs and uh and they were all just uh, again they were just all just you know they just came out wow uh, I have... <laughs> it's a great gift yeah, was, I, so, I feel very very fortunate so mark where do you hope to grow from here uh, well, uh, I really hope to take all of this, uh, all of the, the, the odyssey of Don't Be a Beep into the, my project with uh, Grant Brenner and Danny Berry because we've just submitted a proposal for our third irrelationship book. Awesome. So I hope, I hope this insight and this willingness comes with me you know, in my work with these guys. <laughs> yeah, and it ties into your relationships, right? It does because your relationship is all about how people – in relationships, a lot of time co-create relationship dynamics that ironically protect them from the very things we think we want from relationship, like intimacy, empathy, vulnerability, and emotional investment. So, you know, I'm really saying that this Richard behavior does something very similar. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have one final message for everyone that might be being a Richard? Yeah, don't feed the Richard. <laughs> don't feed the Richard, you know? <laughs> Keep the focus on yourself. Keep the focus on yourself and don't feed that Richard and we will all live in a much more loving, caring, kind and compassionate world. Especially with the holidays coming up. Correct. <laughs> so how can my listeners learn more about you or follow you? I have two blogs on psychology today. One's called Irrelationship and one's called Relationship Sanity. You can pick up my book from centralrecoverypress.com or any place that sells books. Uh, they just are coming out with a, a, also a, a audible version of the book. So um, it should be pretty fun. And once again, what's the title with the title the is Don't be a D <laughs> asterisk, asterisk K. Awesome. Change well, yourself, change your world. Well, thanks again for being here today, Mark. Thank you, Sakura. It's always just a wonderful pleasure. Awesome. And thank uh, you. Thank you. And thank you to Eric, my wonderful producer, and you, the listener. You can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. 
You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP on iTunes, SoundCloud, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. And if you really love the show or have any questions or comments, let me know. Sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love from the Hip and make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. <laughs>